You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414-988-3079. Whatever name you believe it to be in spirit or in science, I say. I say. 
reported the first human beings who came into existence on this planet, the first human beings who raised the first structures, who cooked the first meals, who taught the first children, who had the first children, the first Africans, the first people who stood upright, who walked, who figured out how to stay on this planet, who figured out how to pass that knowledge on to their children and their children's children, the mothers and fathers of civilization. Ashe. Ashe. We pour the next libation to their grandchildren, their children's children, those who raised the great early civilizations of Kemet and Kush, the great medieval civilizations of Ghana and Mali and Songhai and Kanem-Bornu. We pour to those who great the great civilizations of the Igbo people and the Hausa people and the Kikongo people and the Mambara people, the great Monday civilizations, the great Kikongo, the great civilizations of Southern Africa, the Bantu people, the great civilizations of Southeast Africa, the Dinka, the Shilat, the Noor. We pour to those millions who raised the foundations from which the world would learn what it meant to be human in the world. Ashe. Ashe. We pour to their children who upon the arrival on the shores of people they had never seen before found themselves captured and marched overland, found themselves perishing by the millions before they were held on the holding cells and the open air pens on the coast of West, Central, Southern, and East Africa. We pour to the ancestors who did not know as they were stripped of all clothing and sent denuded into boats, packed like animals and strewn their bones across the floor of the Atlantic and the Indian Ocean. We pour to them who in the last moment on Africa grabbed the sand and grabbed the dirt and put it in their mouths and understood that the only thing they might have to preserve their place in that continent was their memory of that place and their ability to pass it on to their children. We pour to them. Ashe. Ashe. We pour to those Africans and their children who finding themselves cast adrift in Santiago, Cuba, who found themselves cast adrift in Puerto Spain, Trinidad, in Puerto Prince, Haiti, who found themselves cast adrift in New Orleans, in Charleston, and Mobile, who found themselves cast adrift in Salvador, Bahia, who found themselves cast adrift in Barbados, and the archipelago that formed the wayward and the, and the windward coast. We found them in these places learning Portuguese and Spanish and French, whose often first words was, oh my God, oh Madre de Dios, who found themselves praying to survive and pass on to their children the memories. We pour to those ancestors who are represented in the thousands, buried in all the square miles of where we stand, and who sit here, buried before us in 400 caskets forged of wood from West Africa with Adinkra symbols. Each one of them, each woman, man, and child, symbolic of millions, the children of those who could not be killed, we pour Ashe. Ashe. We pour to their children who somehow survived the hells of enslavement and fought for emancipation in the Caribbean, the French, British, Dutch Caribbean, who fought for emancipation in South America, who fought for emancipation in Central America, who fought the struggles we refer to as the Civil War in the United States, who came out of that, marched out of enslavement through Reconstruction and found themselves making great migrations, eventually ending up in places like New York. Their children's children, who making a way for themselves, became our great-great-grandparents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our parents. Those who, when the first bones were discovered in this space, held their hands and said, Stop! No more! We are here to speak for those who can no longer speak with their mouths. We pour for those ancestors, some of whom came to Howard University in 2004 and followed these caskets all the way back to New York, we pray to the great ancestors, the ones whose names we know and the ones whose names we don't, 
And at this moment, as we pour this libation, I would ask anyone who feels comfortable to say the name of someone in your bloodline who is no longer physically here, but who you know made it possible for you to be here. Go ahead, let's hear the names. Hey, we're Carr. Porter Griffin. Evelyn Glover. We pour to the names that we hold collectively. Ganga Zumba in Brazil. Toussaint Louverture, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, and Henri Christophe in Haiti. We pour to the great Avengers, Nandi of the Maroons of Jamaica. We pour to the great ancestors, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass. Say the names that you study. Who are the names of the ancestors that you have come to hold in your heart and your mind as you hope that you can do what they did for us, for your children and children's children? Let's say some of those famous names. Malcolm X. John Henry Clark, John Dr. Jackson, Jacob Carruthers. And finally, two final libations. We pour to those who make it possible for us to do what we do. We pour to these rangers who stand guardian over this sacred space. We pour to these Africans and these folks who have come from Howard University, the staff, the faculty, the administrators who brought us here today to bear witness. This is not a libation, but an affirmation because their hearts still beat, their tongues still speak, their minds still think, and their minds still wish the best for us. We pour for all of those people who surrounded us on this journey today and made it possible for us to be here. We pour this affirmation of thanks, Ashe. Ashe. And finally, we pour to your children's children's children who will one day stand on this space and speak your name. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go and what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child.
are listening to the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee Radio Broadcast, where their host is Dr. Janine James, Sister Ifua Ma'at, Sister Osati Anki, Brother Kwasi Crab, and Brother Kojo Robinson. The Sankofa Council of Milwaukee Radio Broadcast is an affiliate of the Black Reality Think Tank Network, and it broadcasts on the Time for an Awakening radio platform. Contact them at Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. I repeat, Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. Good evening. This is Brother Charles Quojo Robinson, and we're about to embark on a very interesting conversation. I'd like to welcome Sankofa Council of Elders of Milwaukee, our guests, and our listening audience. Like I said, we're about to have a very interesting, enlightening conversation about cannabis. Cannabis, the plant, the hemp, the CBD, THC, and the use and purchase and illegal compliance. And the reason why this conversation is going to be so unique is that we have uh, guests that cover the spectrum of the business, the medicine, and we have an in-house um, or resident physician in the form of uh, our Sankofa member, Dr. Janine James. So it's going to be very interesting with a pharmacist, a distributor, marketer, consultant, and uh, the in-house residential physician as we talk about cannabis and all of the different uses of cannabis. And before we start, why don't we begin with our purpose of Sankofa? Mama Serta Ante? Yes. Good evening, Brother Kojo. Um, yes. And Sankofa and the listening audience and our guests. Um, the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee is a ever-evolving community dedicated to cultivating Sankofa, the reclaiming of our African memory, our African governance, and our African spirituality in order to provide a healing and empowering environment for people of African descent globally. Through an immersive exploration of study and practice we amplify principles of Nguzo Sava, which provide moral and unifying values as the foundation for constant movement towards restoring our people to our traditional greatness. We study and amplify the ancient laws of Ma'at that allowed our ancestors to flourish 
survive, and pass on a legacy of greatness, and to interact harmoniously with the world by honoring the universal consciousness in all of creation. We contribute to skill sets that we have acquired as we seek ways to share our descend- with our descendants the principles that have historically been our strength and that have sustained us through captivity, colonization, and accuration. We are dedicated and committed for as long as it takes to fulfill this purpose. Thank you. Who do we have as an ancestral profile tonight? This evening we have Bob Marley. Bob Marley uh, was born Robert Nesta Marley on February 6, 1945, in Nine Miles, St. Anne, Jamaica, to Norval. to Norval um, Marley and Fidelia Booker. His father was a Jamaican of English descent. His father, his mother was African, born in Jamaica. The couple planned to get married, but Norval left Lake Kingston before this could happen. Norval died in 1955, seeing his son only once. Bob Marley started his career with the Whalers, a group he formed with Peter Tosh and Bunny Livingston in 1963. Marley married Rita Marley in February 1966, and it was she who uh, introduced him to Rastafarianism. He practiced the religion within the use, wherein the use of ganja, as it is called, is a holy sacredness. The word ganja is the Rastafarian term derived from the ancient Sanskrit language for marijuana, which itself is a Spanish word for cannabis. Bob Marley did not use cannabis recreationally and did not see its use as a casual matter. He viewed marijuana as a holy rite. Viewing himself as a holy person as do all Rastafarians, Marley strongly believed that marijuana opened up a spiritual door that allowed him to become the artist and poet he was. As his fame grew, he began to stand as a symbol for both his culture and his religion. By 1969, Bob, Tosh, and Livingston had fully embraced Rastafarianism, which greatly influenced Bob uh, Marley's music in particular, and on raggy music in general. The Whalers collaborated with Lee Scratch Perry, resulting in some of the Whalers' finest tracks like Soul Rebel, Doopy Conqueror, 400 Years, and Small Acts. This collaboration ended bitterly when the Whalers found that Perry, thinking the records were his, sold them in England without their permission. However, this brought the Whalers' music to the attention of Chris Blackwell, the owner of Island Records. Blackwell immediately signed the Whalers and produced their first album, Catch a Fire. This was followed by Burning Features tracks as Get Up, Stand Up, and I Shot the Sheriff. Eric Clapton's cover of that song reached 
number one in the United States. In 1974, Tosh and Livingston left the Whalers to start solo careers. Marley later formed the band Bob Marley and the Whalers with his wife, Rita, as one of the three backup singers called the I-Trees. This period saw the release of some groundbreaking albums such as Natty Dread, Rastafa Man, Vibration. In 1976, during a period of spiraling, spiraling political violence in Jamaica, an attempt was made on Marley's life. Marley left for England where he lived in self-exile for two years. In England, Exodus was produced and it remained on the British charts for 56 weeks straight. This was followed by another successful album, Kaya. These successes introduced reggae music to the Western world for the first time and established the beginning of Marley's international status. In 1977, Marley consulted with a doctor when a wound in his big toe would not heal. More tests revealed malignant melanoma. He refused to have his toe amputated as doctors recommended, claiming it contradicted his Rastafarian beliefs. The cancer was kept secret from the general public while Bob continued working. Returning to Jamaica in 1978, he continued work and released Survival in 1979, which was followed by a successful European tour. In 1980, he was the only foreign artist who participated in the independence ceremony of Zimbabwe. It was a time of great success for Marley, and he started an American tour to reach blacks in the United States. He played two shows in Madison Square Garden, but collapsed while jogging in New York City's Central Park on September 21, 1980. The cancer diagnosed earlier had spread to his brain, lungs, and stomach. Marley died um, in a Miami hospital on May 11, 1981. He was 36 years old. The greatest hits album, Legend, was released in 1984 and became the best-selling reggae album of all time. Marley also ranks as one of the best-selling music artists of all time, with estimated sales of more than 75 million records worldwide. He was honored by Jamaica soon after his death with a designated Order of Merit by his nation. In 1994, he was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Blink Star ranked him number 11 on the list of 100 greatest artists of all time. His other achievements include a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, a star and the on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and the induction into the Black Music and Entertainment Walk of Fame. Above all, Bob Marley promoted peace and cultural understanding. He acted as a culture ambassador for the Jamaican people and the Rastafari religion. Even decades after his death, he's reverenced as a Rastafarian prophet. May he rest in peace. Ashe. Ashe. 
Now, before we return to our discussion, um, email a question or comment to Sankofa Council mke at gmail.com. And as we return, please, if you're called in on our uh, call-in line, please mute your phone until you're uh, till it's your turn to speak. Now let's get back to our discussion for this meeting. Yes, I'm wondering if uh, some people out there in the listening audience think that marijuana is our new snake oil of our time, or does it really have healing qualities? Marijuana has always been a very controversial subject, especially whether or not it should be legalized. And uh, so we're about to join in with Dr. Bernetta Thomas, who's the proprietor of several cannabis dispensaries, and Dr. Sir Grice, who's a pharmacist. We're going to have a discussion about the business and the marketing of this cannabis product. And before we begin, let me introduce our uh, guest, Dr. Bernetta uh, B. We call her Dr. B. We used to work together, actually, at Springfield College, the Milwaukee campus. And I know how brilliant and how beautiful she is. And she has a wealth of knowledge on this subject. And I'm just so uh, thankful that she would be available to in this conversation. To be is an NFT artist. Work was featured at San Diego's first NFT conference on April 20th, 2022. She's renowned for her published research study of success factors, success factors of African American female entrepreneurs, and her achievement as a cannabis entrepreneur. She is also an author, a professor a speaker, and a phenomenally successful African-American woman business owner. She is a professional business educator with a specialty in teaching adult learners, and she's also an Air Force veteran, a former federal police officer, and a college professor. Dr. B started her first company in 2007 and since then has been instrumental in consulting NFT artists, launching several businesses, cannabis dispensaries, and multiple CBD brands and stores. He helped launch the highest rated dispensary in San Diego, taking it from $0 all the way to $2.5 million in under six months and a $6 million uh, success story in sales in one year. In addition to supporting, educating, and mentoring entrepreneurs with every chance she gets, Dr. B has also created numerous charities, and she's been helping women and children and at-risk youth. So thank you for being with us this evening. Uh, Sister Four. Dr. James is ready oh. to introduce our second guest, Dr. Sir Grice. We have been so happy to have him join us before. 
And Dr. Grice is a doctor of pharmacy that has 14 years of experience providing care for the underserved community. He is currently working to create a new platform that provides optimal health care outcomes for this underserved population that focuses on the management of chronic disease. His goal is to bring the care back to health care and be a trustworthy health advocate for this marginalized population. Dr. Grice also currently serves on the board of Milwaukee Health Services, a federally qualified health system that strives to provide excellent health services to the underserved population. Dr. Grice, we're happy to have you with us here today. Thank you, thank you. All right, thank you for that introduction. And when we begin the conversation by inviting Dr. Bernetta Thomas to just tell about what she's doing in this in this area, we can approach this subject in so many different ways and and we chose to look at it from a business standpoint. What do you have to say about this controversy of business, medicine, and compliance? Well, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me here. I'm very honored to be a guest and to be standing with all of you beautiful professionals. Um, there is a lot of controversy as it relates to this topic of cannabis. And, you know, cannabis is no stranger to controversy, actually. This is something that has been uh, going on for a very long time. <clears throat> but nevertheless, and some of it, some of the controversy comes from, you know, it's, it's very political as well. If you look at the history of cannabis, um, at one point it actually was used in our medicine, and this was common practice. So, you know, to talk about this subject is very uh, near and dear to me, especially since I have served tens of thousands of patients who've had various ailments and various conditions and who have claimed that the cannabis has helped them in, in so many tremendous ways. So I like talking about this subject because I feel like there is a lot of misinformation out there relating to cannabis and most certainly relating to how does one get into the cannabis space? How does one uh, successfully um, migrate and, and enter into a cannabis business? How does that work? What are the What are some tips? What are some ways of doing that? That's also something I want to talk about as well. So I'm honored to be a guest here. You know, we could have invited you to come in and talk about business and, <laughs> and you know, how you support uh, women especially. You know, I had a chance to look at your, your um, social media site, uh, LinkedIn, and, and I discovered um, this um, business in a box concept, which I thought was really off the chain. And oh, absolutely. That was before, you know. You know, we, we, we thought we wanted to have this discussion on, on, you know, cannabis. But then after I looked at the business in the box concept, wow. You are really doing, doing a lot to, to um, you know, to, to, to 
resolve the disparities, the wealth disparities in this country for African Americans? Absolutely. It's, it's something that's very important to me. Um, having been in the cannabis space for over six years now and, you know, made several successful companies, um, I have clients who are most certainly uh, over seven-figure earners, and I feel like just that alone is enough reason for me to reach back and to make sure that I'm providing opportunities for people who are often um, overlooked. And so, therefore, this idea of creating this business in, in a box, giving people an opportunity to create their own business, giving people um, consultation, giving people mentorship um, as they navigate uh, or attempt to navigate the cannabis space is a specialty of mine. I feel like it's very important to have representation here. And so for me to be a leader in this field in the cannabis space and to be able to give back, you know, that's the ultimate reward to be able to duplicate your success in the lives of other people. So, yes, I have launched several dispensaries and yes, I've launched several deliveries and I've created several CBD products, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, more importantly than that are all the people that I've had the opportunity to meet the patients I've had the opportunity to assist, and then also uh, the companies that I've had the opportunity to develop uh, just being in this space. So I'm most certainly focused on giving back to the community and educating us as it pertains to getting into the cannabis space and as it pertains to starting a business. Well, we have to call you back again and have you come and talk about that other uh, business that 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 uh, business in the box concept but um brother grice now is that that's sir right s-i-r-r -R, that's sir grice yes sir all right now is that your is that your first name that is my first name wow so your parents named you sir to make sure you would get your respect right because when people call your first name they're saying sir <laughs> very true you, but it also it also made sure that I had to give the same level of respect back. Because you don't earn people calling you that name if you don't you disrespect yourself. Yes, I love that. I love that. Now, if um, if I wanted to go into to uh, to a pharmacy, could I purchase cannabis? In Wisconsin, no. <laughs> okay, uh, in Wisconsin, no. <laughs> So, in the realm of pharmacy, there are my Dr. Thomas might be way more versed in what states are all up and running. I believe right now there's only 39 states that have it legalized, and in five of those states, a pharmacist has to be on um, the review staff of it before it makes it to the patient, and that's specifically for medicinal marijuana. Um, recreational, I'm not 100 percent on but for medicinal purposes um, some states have it where they want to make sure that a pharmacist is directly attached because in the realm of it all if we're using it medicinally it is a medication the experts on medications are pharmacists and so we get the best outcomes for the patient that we want a pharmacist to be on the review side of that um, but in the current in the state of Wisconsin that is not the case. There are discussions currently on trying to decide if 
medicinal marijuana will be a place and what role pharmacists will hold. And at the moment, through our uh, Pharmacy Society of Wisconsin, we're still kind of undecided on what we wanted to do regarding that topic because of the legality. Um, until it's federally legal, it's going to be a challenge because we can't do the research and we're stuck on certain categories of stuff that we can't do that we need to. So, but at the moment, to answer the initial question, no, you can't go to the pharmacy and get your dime bag. <laughs> <laughs> now, th- th- there's an organization, a pharmaceutical organization here in Wisconsin? Yes, I'm also on the board of uh, the Pharmacy Society of Wisconsin. We have one unified pharmacy council, similar to like the American Medical Association or um, uh, other associations, we are, are the, the axillary board that operates with the pharmacy examining board to work with politicians to decide, you know, legality of certain processes as we move forward. So that means you could lobby and advocate for things related to pharmacy. Exactly. Okay. Wow. So what... Um, what do you do about staying updated? Because things are happening so fast in so many different states. They have so many different laws, so many different distinctions in this area. Like you, you mentioned um, recreational uh, marijuana versus medicinal marijuana. Um, I'm just curious about the distinctions there. And, and I'm just also mm-hmm. curious about uh, do you have, like, in-service training or are people – required to stay abreast of the changing laws as, as a pharmacist? Oh, yeah. It's just like any medical profession. We've got to do 30 hours of continuing education every two years to stay viable for our licensship. So if, in any profession, teachers, uh, you've got to do some level of uh, credentialing to stay, to stay valid. So, yes, we've got to do the same thing. In Wisconsin specifically, that those 30 hours of continuing education do not have to be in specific areas. So people can pick things they have passion for. Um, human health is, is a broad concept. So you're going to have people who are more focused in on diabetes. Some are focused in on cancer. Others more focused in on um, other subsects of things. So once the uh, topic becomes more legal, it will become more polarizing, and then people will definitely gain more of a, a required knowledge. I've done my own self-knowledge because, A, being a part of this topic, you want to be knowledgeable enough to communicate, but, B, it is something that hits home for the African-American community. So um, it's something that I find myself being asked often, and having to have a, a, uh, an academic and educated point of view is key. So I've done my own personal studying outside of it on top of some others, but, yeah, there are areas where you can get extra education on the topic for sure you know i find so mind-boggling that you know a few years ago people were doing time for selling that dime bag on the street and and uh at a time when crime was going down in the in the 1980s the incarceration rates began to go sky high they were like uh going rocket high for incarceration rates for um, for drugs, and so this war on drugs created this over incarceration, uh, especially uh, people 
of, uh, of African descent. And now it's just so mind-boggling that, you know, people are now making, uh, making a lot of money off of what used to be the reason why people were incarcerated. And it just, it seems so, con- you know, it's, it's a contradiction to me. But um, Sister Fool, what did, what did you have in mind about this subject? Or did you have a question? I had a thought. Um, thought? You guys to listening, and good evening, everyone. Um, I I had a thought in regards to the legalities of kind of, a, of what you were just alluding to, but I was also thinking, will um, um, Dr. Um, Greer, uh, Greer, do you think that um, Wisconsin specifically, um, and maybe uh, I'm sure um, Dr. B could uh, expound on this as well, do you think that Wisconsin would ever accept uh, the CBC versus the marijuana um, prescribed yeah. marijuana first? Um, and and there's definitely a difference between the CBC or CDC. I'm getting it all confused. Um, and and the marijuana. So what do you think that from a from a, a, a legislative standpoint here in Wisconsin, if, if we would ever um, receive well, one of the others first. I can speak on that a little bit, actually, um, because I do follow a lot of what's going on in the different states. Number one, um, I, there's a few things <laughs> that, that need to be discussed. We often talk about the different, you know, recreational versus med- medical cannabis, but Actually, when you think about it, the, the plant still has medical properties, whether you're taking it recre- recreationally or whether you're taking it um, for your actual treatment of some sort. Um, recreational marijuana just is uh, legal in 18 states. However, that, and, and Wisconsin is not one of them, but that doesn't have anything to do with CBD. Um, as a matter of fact, in 2018, the farm bill was passed uh, making it official um, to actually provide CBD in a lot of these other states and nationwide, actually, and that includes Wisconsin. So there is some distinction that that can be made. The difference between um, cannabis and CBD, actually, marijuana is a is a derogatory term that goes back to um, Mexican Americans because a lot of brown people were actually of course like charles was saying were jailed for cannabis and not just brown people but a lot of non-brown people that people don't really talk about people like jack herrera if it wasn't for a person like jack herrera then it would we wouldn't have a cb industry like we have today so i like to encourage people to do their research and go all the way back one of the sources that they can look into is this book called the emperor the emperor wears no clothes which documents this history of America and cannabis. But nevertheless, some distinctions between uh, hemp and cannabis. Okay, so they're both, I like to say that they're cousins. Okay, they're part of the same family, um, but they have a little different chemistry. One of the things that you can um, consider is that the hemp plant itself has low levels of the THC. And the THC is what is known to get people high. Um, 
And then also uh, the hemp plant itself has higher levels of CBD. So that's another thing that has to be considered. Now, according to um, the, uh, the farm bill, it says that plants exceeding 0.3 THC are considered uh, cannabis and they remain federally illegal. So if you're, therefore, if you're going to have a CBD product in Wisconsin, and I've had several clients in Wisconsin with CBD stores, then your CBD is going to have to test at 0.3, uh, no more than 0.3 THC. And there's a lot of distinctions that have to be made when you're um, going to create a CBD product. That's a whole other conversation, but those are some specific uh, differences between the cannabis and the hemp plant, which is, again, the CBD is legal in Wisconsin. So if a person, so therefore, if a person wanted to create a CBD company, then they could if they lived in Wisconsin. Now, if you wanted to go get your cannabis, you want to go get your, um, you know, what did you call it, a dime bag, <laughs> then you would have to head on over to Illinois because a medical cannabis is, is legal in Illinois. Um, and you would actually have to have a, you know, um, what do you call it, uh, a medical card in order to get that. And I think actually recreation has been passed in Illinois too, which means that you don't need a medical card. Yeah, just so. recently. Recreation, I think, was 2019-2020, very recently, yes. So there's a lot of parties going on, I would imagine, in Illinois, which is right. Eventually, Wisconsin is going to get on board because the reality of the situation is the government likes money. And anytime the government can see that it can make money with something, then it wants to be involved. A lot of people don't know, but the government actually has had patents, uh, cannabis-related patents forever. Even though it was something that they were demonizing, they were still benefiting from it, you know. So you, when you start talking about, you know, getting the pharmacies involved, you know, it's very, it's a very slippery slope of the way because we want to make sure that that the quality of the product is still there and that, you know, that the people have, that the people have access to good medicine. And it's, it's not medicine that's been watered down because oftentimes when the government gets involved in something, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you pay more and you get less. And that's exactly, you know, what's been happening with legalization. You know, things, it has shifted sometimes the quality of the product in some ways, um, this is a very good conversation to have. Nevertheless, <laughs> CBD in itself is a $7.8 billion industry, just CBD alone. I want to remind people that there's over 100 plus cannabinoids in the plant itself, and each cannabinoid does different things medicinally. So we're still at the cusp. There's CBD, CBG, CBN, et cetera, et cetera, and all of these things have different properties. So there's a lot for us to unpack in this industry. Oh, that plan is very unusual. I, I recall reading somewhere way back um, many years ago that Wisconsin used to be the number one producer of the plant. Now, that, that's marijuana, right? I mean, that's the same plant, the hemp plant? Yeah, Wisconsin, and, and First of all, the hemp plant has a long history. Uh, it was one of the first uh, agricultural crops that was grown. It's probably the reason why we're all here because of this hemp plant that's used for various things. 
Well, they made Very rope. Strong. They used hemp to make rope, didn't they? Like absolutely, mm-hmm. mm. absolutely. Hemp was used in various ways, you know, uh, to make rope, to make medicine, to make oils, to make uh, fabrics, to make paper, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The uses of hemp goes on and on. The thing is, you have other people who have, you know, vested interests, and therefore, you know, all of a sudden we we can't use hemp for paper we have to use trees (laughs) because there's people that of course uh, from a historic standpoint that have vested interest in in these things and so therefore we end up getting away from a plant like hemp that has so many different uses Um, but now we're finding that we're, we're getting back to that and I feel like that's one of the reasons why you know I think Wisconsin is a great place um, to launch a CBD company when you think about its history with hemp. Wow. Well, uh, Dr. James, if um, one of your clients would come to you, one of your patients would come to you and ask uh, you to write a, a prescription for medical marijuana, could you do that? Um, I probably wouldn't because um, I don't know enough that would make me comfortable with doing so, but I would probably refer them to someone uh, who I thought was more familiar. Um, I'm particularly, uh, that's an interesting question you asked me because um, the marijuana especially has been described as being very helpful for nausea and vomiting, which I had throughout my pregnancy. And I can tell you, if I knew that then, I would have definitely been on board. However, um, there are some concerns that have been come up regarding this. And I'm glad to see, and I hope to see, that we do engage in more research, especially since we're probably going to see a lot more people using um of the uh, various products, but I do have some real concerns pertaining to pregnancy, and I'm going to stop here. I can address those uh, in the second part of our program, but we will be talking about uh, what concerns should we have about the use of of, uh, the um, cannabis products. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for that that uh, information, I know you have an office. You can practice in Illinois and Wisconsin, right? That's right. Right, so you you could if you would, but you're saying you won't. Not at this, <laughs> not at this point. It's not worth the headache. Well, you might in the future. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I might in the future. Uh-huh. Well, in a minute, we're going to have a, a sponsor presentation from um, Sister Ante and in fact um, you may want to start that now Our sponsor eDoc Advice is a website created to provide a place to go to get answers to your health or medical concerns Are you wanting more options than you feel you're getting? them help you problem solve 
Go to their website and ask your questions. Their professional will help you to obtain the help you need that makes sense to you. That's www.edocadvice.com. They do not replace your health professional or provide you care, but they can help you to become a better consumer so that you can get the best information to make a truly informed decision. They network with other professionals throughout the country and bring that information directly to you. That's EDOC Advice, E-D-O-C-A-D-V-I-C-E.com. Thank you. Thank you. We're almost at the top of the hour, but we have a few minutes to um, to further this, this uh, conversation. And I was just thinking it was occurring to me that all of those people who spent years and years in prison because um, of their being involved with cannabis and marijuana, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be um, social justice or, or like restorative justice to, to give those people um, like first, you know, first crack at, at grants or, or whatever to start cannabis businesses? Is that, is that happening anywhere in the world? Absolutely. There's been a lot of programs within the last few years that have actually gave people who have had um, federal records, um, you know, with cannabis and experience actually being locked up for cannabis that has given them preference when it comes to getting into this space. So this is something that, that does happen, that has happened in the past. It's just that a lot of people don't have this information, you know, because you don't see it out there. But it has happened where there has been preference given to people who have been incarcerated for cannabis. I know people who have created brands. I think there's one brand called, I think it's literally called The Felon and, and someone else. The Felon and the Farmer is an example of a brand that uh, was created by someone who, you know, was locked up for cannabis. So, and these people are actually given preference. So I think it's important to know what programs are out there in the first place. Well, the felon and the farmer. <laughs> Isn't that a cute name? <laughs> <laughs> I love that name. Wow. Yeah, and there's there's so many different, you know, groups now and organizations that are making sure that, you know, we have representation ac- across the board. Um, there are dispensaries that give companies, uh, melanated cannabis-owned companies, preference on their shelf. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. I want brown people to be encouraged to join this space, actually. It's a matter of knowing how, and it's a matter of knowing what resources you have available to you, because you do have resources available to you. You just need to know how to access these things. You know, when I got when I got in contact with you, as I um, I went through your secretary, and I got the impression that you were you were a consultant in this area. Is is that true? Absolutely, I've been consulting cannabis um, businesses for the last six years. I started the first CBD consulting firm 
in the nation. This was started by a brown person. I need people to know that, you know, we need to be encouraged and we need to be reminded of our strength and our power and knowing that we can do all things and that we're unlimited beings. So that's one of the reasons why I started this. I wanted to, again, give back to the community and tell them and show them exactly how do they go about getting into this space? How do they maneuver this space? There's so many landmines and there's so much corruption and there's so much misinformation. This is why it's important to have someone kind of lead you by the hand and show you exactly what you need to do in order to run a successful company here. Wow. Thank you for your service and thank thank you for your commitment and, and, and all of the great things you do. And I also learned that in some cases, um, the, the, the medicine uh, uh, cannabis is, is so expensive, people who can't afford it, like children in, who were experiencing um, epilepsy. And I, I think I, I, I discovered somewhere that you were actually making that, um, that medicine available to them. That's a, oh, absolutely. That's a great, uh, great um, question, Brother Kofi, but can we hold that until we get finished with our top of the hour? Um, and once we come from the top of the hour, um, Sister Asserta, would you um, present our sponsor of uh, EDOC Advice? Everything in 
side Me and my blueberries together and everything's alright Get your lighters rolling sticky, let's get higher Got that blueberry yum yum and it's that fire Get your lighters rolling sticky, let's get higher Got that blueberry yum yum and it's that fire Get the propane rolling things and let's blow this place up. You already know what's up. I might have had to pay some extra bucks, but I really don't give a fuck. Cause a brother feels great, 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 But I'm barely awake, wait, 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 All kids out of shape, 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 shape. Stomp on your break, 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 break If you totin' good, then all the smoke gas Let me see your flame Don't know what you got but my bag or Put your stuff to shame All the different kinds and other flavor They don't mean a thing You can't compare it, don't stare Cause I got the ultimate marriage Get your lighters rolling sticky Let's get high Got the blueberry yum yum And it's that fire Get your lighters rolling sticky Let's get high Got the blueberry yum yum Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414 Listening to the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee Radio Broadcast, where the host is Dr. Janine James, Sister Ifua Maat, Sister Osati Anki, Brother Quasi Craft, and Brother Quojo Robinson. The Sankofa Council of Milwaukee Radio Broadcast is an affiliate of the Black Reality Think Tank. Network and it broadcasts on the Time for an Awakening radio platform. Contact them at Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. I repeat, Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. Welcome back, everybody. I wonder if there's anybody in the listening audience who may have some questions. Sister Fool, um, what, what's that call-in number? You want to share that with the listening audience? 
I will have that ready um, and share with everyone as soon as um, Sister uh, Aserta is um, done presenting our sponsor, EDOC Advice. At edocadvice.com, they provide specific medical answers to those seeking a better understanding about medical conditions and health. Their experienced and resource team can research your concerns, will answer the questions you have about your health, medical condition, and other challenges. They know how to get things done to keep you safe. So go to edocadvice.com. Today and ask your question. Thank you. All right. So, um, welcome back again. And um, we're opening the lines for um, callers with any questions. Please give us a call at area code 215-490-9832. Again, the area code is 215 215- Four nine zero nine eight three two. So can we go back to the question that um, you had put on the table, um, Brother Kofi, um, before we went to our top of the hour? The questions I put on the table? Yes, sir. I have so many questions. I can't re- remember which one. Oh, I, I, rem- on. I remember. It was in re- <laughs> Thank you, Dr. T. Thank you, Dr. B. <laughs> I remember. And it was a really good question, too. It was in regards to how the medicine has become really expensive for people and how, you know, um, I think you were talking about different programs that maybe that I've created in the past uh, to to make sure that people have access to medicine. And so, yeah, you're right. The medicine has become very expensive for people, especially now that the government is involved, you know, with the government comes taxes. So these, and let me tell you how much money the government is making off of this. I mean, it's just, you, you wouldn't even believe it, but uh, these dispensaries are heavily taxed and sometimes that tax is passed down, unfortunately, to the patient. And so therefore it's becoming difficult I think for people to afford their medication so I would always create these different give back programs uh, there's something I used to give out called Rick Simpson oil uh, Rick Simpson oil is what a lot of patients do or use um, it's very a, a potent uh, THC like 90, 90 plus percent THC and it's an oil that people use especially if they have uh, cancer or something like that so it has a very high appreciation for this oil I would give that oil out for free uh, to people who could not afford it. Um, And this is something that I would do because I wanted to make sure that people had access to their medicine. And then also when I had a CBD company, um, for every product that I sold, I gave CBD oil to children with epilepsy, which was a very successful program, was able to help so many parents that had issues struggling and helping their children um, get their medicine. And so now all of a sudden they have this medicine that's that's given to them for free. So these are some of the rewards outside of the financial rewards, the rewards of working in an industry like this. You get an opportunity to really give back, and that's huge. I, 
Dr. J, do we by chance have any callers? We we no, not right now. Okay. I, I have a question. If oh, go I ahead. You go ahead. Okay. Um, with the uh, high price of the medications through the CBD, are insurances paying anything? No, and you know, uh, I think that's a topic of discussion. I feel like you would think like by now you would have maybe companies that would share the cost of of that, but I haven't heard of any um, to my knowledge. So I feel like that's that's definitely a gap. And I think part of the reason is because it's the industry is still like the wild wild west because of the the current classification is still listed as a schedule one drug um, by the government. So it, it makes it very challenging, you know, for people to, to really, you know, have flexibility and to, and to be able to get their costs covered because the government owns everything. And so therefore, if something is still considered federally illegal, it's very challenging for people to, to move in that framework. But I think that's something that needs to happen. I'm not sure if it exists already. If it if it does, then I you know I'm you know I would definitely uh, seek those types of things if you're a person that needs help with your medication. But I haven't heard of any insurance companies that actually um, assist patients with their medicine, which is unfortunate. And, and I'm sure that includes, no. I'm sure that includes <laughs> Medicare as well, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, because yeah, these are all 100%. government government funded you know, government and, you know, um, entities like behind these things. So therefore they're not, they're not going to help you. They're not going to pick up that tab. They're going to charge you taxes, but they're not going to pick up your tab until things change. (laughs) You know, can I ask one more question? Um, yes, ma'am. The, the healing effects of, um, CBD, I'm going to call it CBD, or marijuana, even with both, um, with the, com- you know, the complete plant as itself, has it been noted that it has healed any diseases or contributed to the, you know, assisting in healing any diseases? Oh, absolutely. Um, these days, you know, there's a lot more information that's coming out about cannabis uh, if you you can easily type up um, you know uh, things that cannabis can treat or or um, medical issues that cannabis can treat, and you will see you know a long list of things that cannabis has helped and has assisted with. Uh, and the same goes with CBD. You can specifically look up CBD, and you can find out the different uh, healing properties of. CBD as well. So there's a lot more information online than it used to be. I want to say this, you know, one of the main reasons that people turn to cannabis is actually for their pain management, or Mm -hmm. turn to CBD in particular, especially. Uh, For 54%, this is an article that was posted by HelloMD in 2017, but 54% of the people who use CBD in particular use to reduce joint pain, 35% 35% to treat migraines, 32% um, to treat chronic pain throughout the body, 28% to reduce arthritis, um, and 26% for nausea. So 
you know, we were talking about pregnancy and nausea and all these different things like that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting that CBD is listed as one of the, um, the things that can assist in nausea. But this goes back to a compliance thing. There's certain things that you cannot say because they're not regulated by the FDA. So I feel like, again, it's a slippery slope. In this industry, we're caught between politics <laughs> and we're caught between, um, you know, the government. And we're, so there's, we have to be careful of what we say um, in this space. But most definitely, if you look online, you'll see that there's been a lot of research that has been coming out about cannabis and about its properties. One site that I'd like to give people that maybe they can look into, your audience, it's called projectcbd.org. Um, and there, that's a site that lists a lot of information as it pertains to CBD in particular. So, has it played I encourage a role, people to do their research. Has it played a role in COVID at all? Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. I mean, first of all, there has been uh, so many people who have turned to cannabis during this COVID time. You know, if, if we remember, it was one of the uh, essential businesses that, you know, had to remain open. And I think part of the reason why is because people are using this for medicine. So, yes, 50% of cannabis users have increased, increased their consumption since the pandemic. Uh, cannabis sales of female con con uh, customers increased by 55%. Uh, women tend to be the buyers of CBD in particular for their whole household. Uh, cannabis sales reached $25 billion in 2021. And again, CBD alone um, is estimated to reach um, $7.8 billion in this year. So this is an industry that we can see has exploded uh, immensely since covid and now we're talking about, you know, um, how many jobs this industry is now supporting. And let's think about it this way. So now this industry is supporting over 400,000 jobs and 91% of adults want to legalize weed. So I feel like it's only a matter of time before the states that are not legalized become legalized, especially after this pandemic. And again, you know, the government is making a lot of money so I feel like you're going to continue to see legalization. It's probably the one thing that has helped to hold the economy together. <laughs> Brother Grice, are yes. you shaking in your boots? I mean, if shaking in my boots. Well, with the with the you know with the upcoming um, marijuana industry or, or or cannabis industry, what kind of impact would that have on pharmacy? You know, if people begin to go to these dispensaries to you know, get their pain medicine and not go to their neighborhood drugstore. I'm just wondering, would you be in competition with the cannabis industry? I mean, based off of checks and balances, we would be, but based off of academia, no. Okay. Uh, my, I'm like any medical doctor. My degree is on my knowledge, not on the product that I sell. So the, the selling of the product should not benefit, should not impact my ability to practice my care, if that makes sense. Right. Um, well, so I the, pharmaceutical, would, the pharmaceutical industry in general, would, would there be an economic impact 
if if um, if cannabis was was legalized in all of the states. So, sadly, um, this will address what Doctor B has already addressed. If marijuana became legal federally, pharmaceutical company would swallow up majority of these dispensaries and the cost would then be spread as everything else is back towards the people. So the wow. beauty of the time right now, and, and, and this is why what Dr. B is doing is so brilliant, because there's so much minutia in the ability to legislate and supply of the product, this is an awesome time for people to, who have the ability to, to get into this business platform until it gets strictly regulated. Because once marijuana is federally legalized, then it would have to go through FDA approval for everything, which would force the ability for a product to reach the market to increase exponentially. So the reason why drugs cost so much is it costs the normal drug based off of research and legality, it costs on average anywhere between one and two billion dollars to get to market. And that's because of all the legality that has to go through the state. That's why so many people use the idea of the COVID vaccine as being such false because how did this vaccine get into play so quick? And the reason it got into play so quick is because the government removed all the strangleholds that they put on these drug manufacturers so that the research could be done in an efficient way and you could actually get the product to the people quickly. So the, if we allow legality, more people would have access, which would increase the opportunity for insurances and all that. But the power stakeholders would then use that opportunity to lobby them to have greater access to a larger pot. So for me as a pharmacist, it won't do anything to my practice um, mm -hmm. except allow me to do more research so I can get better healthcare analysis from the product. So there are tons of medicinal, pro medicinal properties that come from marijuana, come from the plant. What we don't also get to see, though, is the side effects that come from it as well, and that's the fact that we don't have a good dosing mechanism in play. So people have a, a preponderance of having different levels of dosing. The biggest blessing with marijuana is that an overdose in marijuana isn't as deadly as an overdose of cocaine or fentanyl or other opiates that we're seeing. And so most people can sleep off the residuals, but we don't get to see how that looks long term. So the way most cannabis is, and most anything that we ingest is um, broken down and metabolized is through the liver. And we call these six systems and different genomes that we have. When those things are broken down, they impact other parts of our system. So um, similarly to Dr. James, I'm a person who would be honest because of the systemic impact that legalizing marijuana would have for our people, I would be on the side of legalizing marijuana. For the healthcare questions that I possess, I wouldn't be one to prescribe it. 
Now, what I would love to do is work with people in identifying where the benefits can outweigh the risks. And with proper research, there's definitely benefits that come about from having the correct dose of anything. Too much water can kill you. So it, it is a topic that we don't have enough knowledge on, but I can, I can, I can definitely foresee in the next five to 10 years, it's gonna be an amazing boom. And um, it's great to have people like Dr. B on the opposite side of the legality side so that there can be evidence that is presented when the legality does come to be. So you've got to have people on, on both sides of the platform to get things accomplished. So true. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Dr. Uh, Grice, I have a question in regards to, as I was listening um, to you, my thought um, had to do with the conventional or traditional medications and someone who may be also um, using some of the um, CBDs or the medical medical marijuana, would there are in, are you aware or have you heard of any side effects um, between the two? And has anyone, um, when they come in to um, uh, place an order for their medications, have they you know asked that question or discussed anything about? Uh, sharing that they that they're using medicinal um, products. So let's be a hundred percent realistic. Healthcare and marijuana have a huge stigma placed upon them. So most, and I'm going to speak specifically to the African American population. Most African Americans do not trust the healthcare system at all. So the ability for a provider to ask that question and get an authentic answer is very slim. Secondly, the stigma attached to drug use is still dramatically high. So for someone to openly admit, especially in the state where it's not legal, to openly admit that they use marijuana is also very hard to get to. Now, in my small circles where I do have trusted people who are willing to ask and open up to me, the majority of the health benefits of marijuana legitimately are side effects to marijuana. And I'll give you an example. If we're talking about a medication like Sidenafil or Viagra, Viagra's initial research was built on developing a new blood pressure medication. The side effect to the medication caused the erection. So now the drug is marketed for erection use, even though it was initially created to treat blood pressure. Similar to other things, we've noticed of recreational use of marijuana, where you have an increase in appetite afterwards. You have a relaxation that comes from it afterwards. This can be used in one of two ways. We can identify that as the primary use of that medication, call it medicinal, and then say, if I'm using this marijuana to decrease my nausea and increase my appetite, it would be perfect in a cancer environment who is undoing um, chemotherapy, which is going to allow this individual to regain their ability to gain weight and acquire nourishment. 
if we use it on the opposite coin, we can say that the drowsiness that can cause be caused from marijuana can be used negatively and cause accidents if used in driving. Both are factual statements, but both can produce a positive or negative depending on how you word that diagram. Does that make sense? It does. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, um, Dr. James, do we have any callers? No. I think okay. people are I think people are listening, but it does give me an opportunity to to step in here from a medical standpoint. Uh I think we're having a a, a wonderful conversation and and it does lead though for me to think about and wanting to stress um really the importance particularly in people who have medical problems and mm -hmm. are using uh, the cannabis products to, to uh, manage basically symptoms. And I heard uh, Mama Sarta mention the word heal, and I wanna make the distinction between healing and treating. So healing basically is to uh, correct a problem. It's no longer there. And I don't think that that is what we are saying about any of the cannabis products. Will it help with symptoms? Will it make it so that you are not as aware of the fact that your knee hurts or your back hurts? Um, I think certainly that that's a factor, particularly in situations that you are not going to be able to heal. But I am concerned that we as health professionals and patients do not allow for a uh, diagnosis of what the problem is. And that's one of the things that we're seeing with the opioid uh, epidemic. Basically, instead of getting to the root cause, what really is causing your problem? What really is causing your anxiety instead of finding out what's causing it and attempting to cure it or treat it, you are managing the symptoms. And maybe you have missed out on an opportunity to really heal a condition. So I still continue to see the role of the health professional in looking at what it is really that's going on because are we going to create another problem? Are you going to have a person who took one gummy and it didn't make them feel the way they wanted so they took another and they took another and next thing you know they are uh, falling on the floor and broke a hip in that effort or has there been an interaction with some of the other medications. And we do know that uh, the cannabis products can in some instances make our medication that we were prescribed less effective or make it more potent. So I still think it's going to be a, a complex situation that needs to be carefully um, studied. I think the benefit, though, is that there's so much money that's being circulated related to that, then there will be the monies and funds that are available to do 
the research that really needs to be done because we could have a gold mine here as we as uh, Dr. Grice mentioned maybe we have to increase doses uh, but uh, and people may be getting a certain dose not a dime bag but they may get 10 milligrams of uh, a product that has uh, the cannabis so there's still a lot of work for us to do collaboratively um, and I am excited that hopefully we will move away from the negative uh, connotations and certainly from the history of people losing their lives trying to sell a product which now you can basically go into a drugstore and and receive so agree um we're um at a time where sister Acerta will be welcoming our sponsors we're open to uh new sponsors so I'll yes sponsors are welcome do you have a service you want others to know about have you written a book we need to read Consider becoming a sponsor. Send us an email at sankofacouncilmke at gmail.com. Support the program that is working for you by bringing to you information you will not hear elsewhere that you need to know. Contributions to support our broadcasting efforts can be made to PayPal uh, at Sankofa underscore think at outlook.com thank you thank you and we uh, are still inviting any callers with any questions um, our number is area code 215-490-9832 and that's 215 our area code 490-9832 Mr. Serta, um, you by chance have a, a message from one of our sponsors, which is uh, our EDOC advice. Are you there? Okay, I will go on at www.edocadvice.net. We provide specific medical answers to those seeking a better understanding about medical conditions and health. Our experienced and resourceful team can research your concern, can research your concern and answer the questions you have about your health medical condition or other challenges. We know how to get things done to keep you safe and feel good. Go to www.edocadvice.com today and ask a question. Any callers? No, but you got you have a question from me. From uh, to Dr. Thomas, this is a thing that that I'm still kind of confused about. We mm-hmm. we have 
um, still movies, television programs that are basically addressing the sale, the illegal sale of marijuana. People killing one another over this. Now, how has this affected the um, corner businesses, the children who aspired to be the neighborhood corner drug dealer, and now maybe their clients are saying, oh, no, I don't need to do any business with you. I can just go up to uh, Dr. Thomas's place and uh, mm-hmm. get what I want. So to give me a better understanding about how these two two elements, and maybe, maybe there are going to be more of those folks that are doing the corner business that are going to be your competition. But um, I'm just curious about what has that done to jobs that people had uh, selling marijuana on the corner? Well, that's a great question. Uh, Number one, there's always going to be a black market, and that's something that people have to realize. And I think the reason why you're seeing it and you're still seeing it is, again, because the cost of people's medicine when they go into a licensed dispensary is so high. It's very common to have these black market places. Um, that exists because of that fact alone. I also like to say that, you know, a lot of the, there's, I haven't witnessed myself a lot of the, you know, youth or anything selling cannabis. I would imagine, of course, these things exist. Um, but what, it, what we are seeing is, you know, youth are selling pharmaceutical drugs. <laughs> you know, cannabis doesn't, it hasn't had the same popularity, I think, amongst youth. in the last few years, especially as we've gone towards legalization, because there's people have a, they have more access to it. So I think in some ways, you know, the street pharmacists are selling other things, like they're actually selling drugs that you would probably get from the pharmacy. uh, Because again, people have more access, they can just you know, they can go to their local dispensary or they can go to their unlicensed dispensary or they can sit at home and they can get a delivery just sent right from their home. I know we were talking earlier, we were talking about this app called Weed Maps, actually, Weed Maps. And it's an app that people can actually download on their phone and they can see, um, you know, what dispensaries are in their area, what deliveries are in their area. I recommend that people do this. At one point in time, uh, Weed Maps used to advertise unlicensed and licensed dispensaries, um, unlicensed deliveries and licensed deliveries, but now I feel like they focus only on licensed deliveries and dispensaries. So I think people need to know where they're getting their medicine from. That's the biggest thing. Uh, these days, you know, um, and I've trained people to make sure that they have a connection with the farmer. I think everything goes back to the farmer when it comes to medicine. So a lot of the cannabis that you see maybe at a dispensary, uh, it'll have um, like a scan code on it where you can scan it and then you can see where the, what farm the cannabis comes from. So there are some pluses and minuses to, you know, um, licensing. 
But at the same time, I think the most important thing is that people know where their medicine is coming from and that they're not just getting any and everything off the street because you don't know what you're getting. Are you trying to tell me that there's such a thing as organic cannabis? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's such a thing as cannabis that's organically grown. I actually have some right here. (laughs) That's a little side note. (laughs) But nevertheless, yeah. And I think part of the reason why is because people have to stand out. They have to they they have to create quality products to begin with, and that's one of the ways that you become successful in this in this industry. Now, of course, like in in Whole Foods or um, those places where you buy organic food, the prices are much higher than the regular, you know, produce. Is that the same for cannabis as well? Oh, absolutely. The the prices range all over the board. And then again, you know, when we're talking about words like organic and different things like that, you know, those are words that are regulated oftentimes by the government. So sometimes when a person says they have an organic product, you have to really get down to the nitty gritty of what do they mean by that? Does that mean that the way that they grow their products are organically? Does that mean that they're using organic ingredients? Again, I encourage consumers really because the hand the the work there's a lot of work for the consumers they really have to investigate where they're getting their product from and there is a wide range of prices out there in this cannabis space um but there's been a lot of changes i want to say in the last few years as it has gone become more business oriented so therefore you don't have people who are just you know they cook something in their kitchen and now they're bringing it to the dispensary they made brownies at home and now they're bringing it to the dispensary to sell. That that doesn't happen now uh, because, again, we have the regulation piece where people have to know, you know, uh, it ha- your dosage and everything has to be regulated. And so, in other words, if you're selling a brownie for 100 milligrams, every brownie that you sell needs to match that 100 milligrams. So there's a lot of, of, uh, of information that customers have to have to get concerning their products. I haven't tried it yet, but I was very tempted to about a year ago. Um, my chiropractor's office that closed up, and uh, I had excruciating pain in my back around number five bar. I think from sitting so much, you know, uh, doing you know all these meetings I was doing and. Uh, occasionally, I would be sitting on the side of my bed. I think that's what kind of messed up my my uh, my spine. And uh, but I couldn't get to my chiropractor because her offices had closed. A- actually, it was New Year's Eve, and everything was closed. And I um, I wanted to try this ointment, you know, the the cannabis ointment. And I knew that there were a couple people. In fact, our uh, one of the local legislators uh, actually opened up a shop. He's a, he's a past um, representative, local representative, and now he has a shop. But um, I didn't know where to find him, and so that that weed map would have really come in handy for me. Oh, absolutely. You know, another thing too that that often isn't discussed, but it's discussed in the dispensary world. 
there's so many ways to take cannabis you know oftentimes people just think about only smoking it but there are a lot of people who are not you know necessarily interested in smoking cannabis so of course there's edibles there's wax there's topicals there's vaping there's pills there's tinctures and sprays um there's even products of course for your pets i mean there's a whole cbd industry alone that focuses on pets that's booming you know um when you talk about snake oil you know uh, i think oftentimes that that comes from there's a lack of quality products out there and and some people who are creating these products they they may not have knowledge there's a difference for example there's a difference between cbd isolate and full spectrum cbd and also broad spectrum cbd and these differences can control and can affect the quality of your product so yeah there's a lot of really crappy products out there and that's why it's important for customers to do their research they really have a long road ahead of them yeah that night um on christmas eve i was willing to try anything because my back was really killing me (laughs) in fact i called i gave you a call you may recall it was over a year ago but i I was trying i was trying to find out you know if if this really does work if it's you know something i should try because I know I, I saw the product in my chiropractor's office on the shelf, and yeah. and I thought I thought about um, trying it. I, I had no idea how how much it cost, but um, mm-hmm. I would suspect that it's pretty expensive. Oh, absolutely. That's why I encourage people: you have to do your research because there's a lot of fly-by-night companies, you know, in this space. Anytime there's an opportunity to make a lot of money. There's also going to be a lot of corruption. There's also going to be a lot of people who are only in it to make money and they may not be here tomorrow. I mean, I've seen this happen many times. Again, this goes back to the importance of having the education piece. A lot of the customers are actually educated within the dispensary and a lot of uh, cannabis customers actually are baby boomers. A lot of the customers that I've had over the years have been baby boomers. I, the dispensary that I um, opened many moons ago, um, they were actually situated next to a, um, a doctor's office, a pain management clinic. And that doctor would actually send us his patients all day long because some of his patients could no longer take their pharmaceutical drugs. Some of the patients were on 30 pills a day. Then they go to 20 pills, 10 pills. Then all of a sudden, no pills. So it's, it, it, it's fascinating um, to see this industry explode, but I agree with everyone else. Um, I think there has to be a lot more research done, and I feel like these, this research can no longer be impeded by the government, and it has to be fair and it has to be honest because at the end of the day, we're talking about people who are using this you know, oftentimes for medicine, and that's the most important thing, that they have access to the right information. Now, when big pharmacy gets involved, I wonder what's, what's going to happen with the prices and also with the quality. Like right now, uh, medicine in America is, is much more expensive than it is in other parts of the world, like Canada. People are going to Canada to get their medication because it's uh, less expensive. Now, when, when big pharma gets involved with um, you know, medical marijuana, I wonder what's going to happen with the prices. Yeah, the prices will probably go up. 
you, you don't you don't have to wonder about that. You already know what's going to happen to the price. <laughs> but because because Big Pharma has has a big big um, lobbyist and and people who advocate for for pharmacy, right? You guys have the political power on your side. Oh, so you got to realize that pharma and pharmacy are two totally different entities. Pharmacy is the practice of, I practice medicinal management. So the utilization of a product, a chemical product, working in a biological system. So that's what my expertise is in. So I can tell you, if you take water, how it's going to be broken down into your stomach. If you take cocaine, how it's going to be broken down into your system. And then the way it's broken down, what benefits or side effects you will get from that being broken down. Pharma is just like Toyota. They create a product. So mm. they are just in the business of creating a product and selling that product. Now, you do have scientists on board, but a pharmacist and a pharmacologist are two totally different things. Pharmacologists create a product to create an outcome. A pharmacist knows what outcome can come from whatever product. That's why for us and the medical side of things, we want to know what a patient is ingesting. So if you are a patient who comes to me with back pain and I don't know that you are using marijuana, I don't know where to begin proper diagnosis or proper management for that ailment. That's why the conversation needs to be, for us to do our healthcare the best way possible, we need to know what a patient is going through holistically. We don't just need to know that you have this back pain. Because like you said, you diagnose yourself with back pain from sitting too long. So your lumbar got displaced because you believe that you sat for too long. Now that sitting too long might be part of it, but was the temperature in the room 50 degrees? So it was too cold? Mm -hmm. Because if it was 90, maybe that sitting would not have done anything. And potentially, would you have needed medication management to solve that if we changed your day-to-day regimen? That's where the medicinal side of things, where true healthcare comes from. A large majority of medicinal products are just putting a band-aid on an issue. We're not finding the root cause of that issue. So that's where the conversation always has to be relevant, and specifically with marijuana. Marijuana, mm-hmm. if we identified it as a recreational concept, we can remove the stigma from it, but we can also improve patients' health outcomes from it as well. So those are the topics that we need to be able to explore. We need to be able to allow people to say that I do blank, 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 and blank, not place judgment or a stigma on them so we can make them, allow them to reach whatever their personal health outcome is. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for that. We, need a, we, we actually need a glossary of, of cannab- cannibalistic terms or something, you know, just to be able to, to kind of have a conversation uh, about this, we need to know what we're talking about. So thank you for making that distinction. Well, I have a question to put to both of our guests. The question, and from your perspective, is marijuana addictive? 
Dr. Well, D, I feel like you, ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's a fully loaded question. You know, um, some people would say that it's very rare. This is just according to the research that we currently have available to us that it's very rare to be addicted to cannabis. And yet I feel like, you know, some people, maybe they can become addicted to cannabis. And it's just that maybe when they stop using it, maybe they don't have the same type of effects as they would if they were taking some other type of drug, you know, for example. So I feel like, you know, that's the information that we currently have available to us that it can be addictive, but it's very rare for it to be addictive. And again, the side effects if a person is uh, stopping their cannabis use is way less dramatic than it would be for someone, let's say, who was on a, another drug, like let's just say, I don't know, even though uh, to me they're not in the same category, but again, looking at the Schedule One classification, like heroin, for example. That's my two Dr. cents on that. Dr. Grice, what, you, what are your thoughts about marijuana being addictive so systemically we would say it is not addictive based off of how it interacts with the body and going through the blood brain barrier mm-hmm. um so clinically if we do if we just go off of a clinical impact the addictive properties are not there based off of what we define as addiction where if mm-hmm. you ingest something it passes through your blood brain barrier stimulates your brain produces a level of um, uh, an endorphin type of feeling and then once not on it you get acquire a withdrawal impact that would be the clinical concept marijuana is not that um, so if we want to do it scientifically no now similar to the caveat that Dr. B acquired Cinnabons are not addictive either but some people are addicted <laughs> to Cinnabons and um, we also have to realize there is a psychological impact that can be done and marijuana falls in that arena very well because the blessing of marijuana is that the overdose of marijuana is not devastating to the impact of one's life so you can be in a tragic situation and the side effect that marijuana provides gives you a psychological feeling that is better than your current status so that is the that is the impact that can produce an addictive platform that is self-induced so it's a, addiction is a very difficult thing to quantify but based mm-hmm. off of the clinical um psychological or the clinical uh what's the word i want to how it would be presented clinically no but can people be addicted to it off of a self-concept? Yes. And that's how research also has to play a role, too, because you always need to make sure things are placebo and not. Because sometimes just the belief that the marijuana is presenting a benefit will cause some level of addiction. If that space that you acquired the marijuana with is better than the space you were with at without it. So that's psychological. So there is a cycle. So we call that placebo effect. Someone can say that I'm giving you metalinol, but I'm actually giving you a sugar pill. Psychologically, you believe the ingestion of the the, the placebo is giving you the achieved 
um, the level or achieved goal that you want, your body believes that you're getting it, so you believe that you got that impact. Wow. So that's, why, know, that's why there needs to be so much more research into the topic. We've come to the end of this discussion, a very exciting, very interesting discussion. I've learned so much. I've taken a lot of notes, and I'm looking for that glossary of cannibalistic terms, uh, Dr. B., I'm sure you could help me with that because to even be able to to talk about this, we we need to know what you know what what is what is like what are the the different distinctions in this conversation? Mm-hmm. Cannabis, marijuana, CBD. I mean, there's just so many distinctions here. Any last minute words? Uh, any final words uh, to wrap us up? We have like maybe less than a minute. How much does it cost? How much does it cost? Yeah. It depends on what you're getting. You know, you know, an eighth of, of uh, cannabis uh, that you, you know, maybe want to smoke, that could be, that can range from $45 to $60 for an eighth. And, and that's really not a lot of flour. I would have to say the best thing to do if you can grow and if you live in a place where it is legal, and you, it would probably be to grow your own, <laughs> because grow that's that's own. probably the, yeah that's probably the most effective way. But of course, you have to be in a place where it's legal, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I want to encourage people to do their research. That's the most important thing. I mean, just knowing that there's a difference between sativa, indica, and and hybrids, you know, these are important. Um, so I would suggest that people go to something like ProjectCBD.org if they wanted to know more about CBD. And, of course, I'm available. If you have any questions, I'm at hello at drbthomas.com. Feel free to drop me a question anytime Great. because I we love educating people. We may have to yeah. have part. But, listen, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. And, and I also thank Dr. Rogers, Dr. William Rogers, and his uh, production staff for making this uh, podcast available for our listening audience. And also thank uh, Sankofa Council for the support that this program has for and for sharing uh, their vision, our vision for unity following an Afrocentric principle and helping us to learn and use those principles in our daily lives. We look forward to bringing you another program next week. And visit our sponsor, www.edocadvice.com and the Finley Medical Clinic as well. So good night, stay safe, and the Sankofa family. And-